What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Modern Adventurer podcast, where explorers and adventurers tell their stories. Coming up. And it's not a nice night, it's, it's drizzly, it's grey, it's those it it perfect, perfect predator conditions, so we say. And I'm paddling and basically an orca came up behind me and I actually thought it was a fishing boat that I just hadn't heard come up behind me because, and I, I, I you can't describe just how big these things are in the water and just how tall that fin is standing out of the water so proud yeah and it, it, it actually surprised me so much i fell off my board and uh, I'm, I'm in the water thinking do i panic and get out or do i just lie there and just think you know i'm in its world there's nothing I, if it wants me there's nothing i can do about it i'm john horsfall and on this weekly podcast we talk to adventurers and explorers from around the world who have made remarkable and daring journeys in recent years. From Everest climbers to polar explorers, world record holders and many more. I hope this podcast sparks ideas and inspires you to explore and go on an adventure of your own. But what is left for the adventurers and explorers in the 21st century? Let's find out. My next guest is an adventurer and teacher and is fresh off the board after 141 days paddleboarding around Great Britain. He broke three world records along the way, being the first person ever to complete this challenge, as well as the longest ever journey by stand-up paddleboard. On the podcast today, we talk about some of his incredible experiences and the why and why he did this incredible trip. So I'm delighted to introduce Brendan Prince to the podcast. John, absolutely awesome to speak to you, buddy. Uh, really looking forward to a chat. So, uh, yeah, awesome day. Well, it is amazing to have you on. You're fresh off the paddleboard. Only, what, a couple couple of weeks ago, you were around the UK paddleboarding. How does it feel to be off? <laughs> it's a funny feeling, isn't it? Because it's something you kind of, you dream about ending because that's part of it. But then when it happens, it's, I mean, I still feel like I'm cloud nine. I still feel... You know, being away for four and a half months, 141 days, you lose perspective of a lot of things. 
and gaining those things back gradually each day is, is just refreshing. You know, it's, it's cool. Well, for people who don't know you, uh, probably the best place to start before we jump into this incredible expedition that you did. Uh, why don't you tell the audience sort of about you and how you got into paddleboarding and this sort of massive adventure? How did it all start? <laughs> well, I suppose, I mean, I started teaching uh, water sports when I was 16 and um, went on lots of different expeditions. Um, back then, it was more about mountaineering than water as expeditions. Um, but it's always been in there. And then you have children. And that sort of changes perspective. And I stopped climbing and did more and more and more stuff on the water. And then I got my first, I was given a, a paddleboard in 2007 um, as, a, as a thing to try. And, um, you know, lots of people pointed and laughed when they saw me because it was like, what's that guy doing standing on a board? And there's no waves. Um, but I loved it. And I've been paddling ever since. And it's always been something that I thought, you know what, I could use this as a tool to have awesome people like yourself listen to why, um, what my why is for doing it. So um, I thought, well, do you know what? It's a guy called Jordan Wiley tried to do it last year. Top guy, good friend of mine. Um, and for lots of different reasons, didn't achieve. And I thought, well, now or never really, let's give it a go. It's going to be a slog. Um, it's one of those endurance events where um, it's not just about what I do, but it's more about how what I do in the weather it's all about the weather doing something like this and um yeah 141 days later set a load of world records and, and got it done wow yeah we had jordan on a f um, couple of months back who as i say so unlucky with his attempt but as he said he uh he said your name and said that you were doing this incredible trip and from the beginning starting in torquay i mean what was the sort of big reasoning behind it it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because that's the key question that people ask. And I've got a very big reason for it. And, uh, and I've delved into my own mind to think, well, actually, could I have done this without that reason? And I don't think I probably could have done. Um, I think you have to have a very strong motivation to do this. You know, getting up at four in the morning when it's freezing cold in Scotland to put icy, you know, even in the summer, icy stuff on that's wet you know, you've got to have a good motivation then to paddle for 16 hours. So my motivation comes from all about uh, prevention of drowning and water safety. Uh, we live on an island, uh, Great Britain, fantastic island, huge coastline, huge amount of inland waterways, but we unfortunately don't have the knowledge to support our, our geography and deaths through drowning and accidents through drowning, rescues through drowning um, are just off the scale and bigger things have got to be done to keep everything in line to, to try and do something about this and um, having taught water safety in schools and uh, as an instructor as well for three decades um, I've, I've tried every avenue and it seems that the, the the 21st century way of teaching children water safety is to create an app it, it's perfect sense i mean let's get when they're on the phones playing a game but within that game it's all about water safety so these things cost a lot of money. So I thought, well, what crazy thing can I do to sort of raise this money and raise awareness and come in and paddle and board around Britain? Uh, seemed the obvious choice, seeing as I was a paddle boarder, I've got the experience, I've got the knowledge of the water. And to put it, unlike Jordan, you know, I mean, hat off to Jordan Wiley, because he's not a paddle boarder. 
and he doesn't have, you know, he's not a waterman and he took the challenge on, which is just incredible. I mean, I took the challenge on and I've got the skills and it was still a, a massive challenge. So, um, yeah, that was my motivation for those 8 million paddle strokes. God, wow. And I mean, it is incredible that, uh, as you're saying, the why is just so important in these events to do, as you say, to get up at 4, 4 a.m. and uh, put on an icy wetsuit in the middle of Scotland. I mean, we had Sean Conway on, who swam around Great Britain, and he was the same. He was just like, God, the motivation sometimes when you are just so cold and you put on this icy wetsuit. And it's amazing that you had that huge why sort of driving you throughout. And so for, for an expedition like this, the sort of planning that goes into it, because you must have had quite a decent support team around you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of our planning. Um, very proud because we can sit back now and look at it and nothing went wrong. Um, which I'm, I'm sure is a little bit of luck in there, but a lot to do with planning. So my mission was to not do it with any support on the water. Um, the reason for that is to prove that with the right skills, the right equipment, the right knowledge, you can actually undertake this sort of venture. Um, but I needed obviously a crew on land so that when I came in and that, and that you know, half the, the problem, half the difficulty of doing what I did was the fact that I was coming in every night. So you've got to smash out through waves. You've got to come back in through waves every night um, to get in. And they're, they're the gnarliest bits. So I needed a crew often to guide me because I'd be surfing into beaches with massive waves on a beach I've never surfed in before. I don't know if there's, there's hidden rocks or dangers. So they would watch for those and guide me and signal for those sort of things. So and also prepare my food and a bed to sleep in, in a van, you know, so land crew. So I had Will and Harry, um, one's Will's a professional video photographer. So he was documenting, documenting what we were doing. And Harry's just an all round super legend can turn his hand to anything and, 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 and be a problem solver. So between the two of them, there was always eyes on the land. Um, and especially you know, certain parts of England, certain parts of Wales and a lot of Scotland, there's nothing else. So, you know, and, and this was super important. Some people kind of, and I've spoke to some adventurers, unfortunately, sadly, that have a, an opinion that if anything goes wrong, well, we've got the RLI or the Coast Guard to come and save us. Um, I don't view it like that at all. Um, I think it's an ultimate failure if you've had to resort to that type of um, rescue, because if with the right planning, even the unexpected you can deal with, and I had lots of unexpected, but through skill and knowledge, you just deal with it to still be safe. And that was what I was trying to prove within the activity. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a team effort, uh, really is a team effort. And Will Harry and, and Zoe and Lucy back at base in Torquay were, were all part of that team. And of course, you've got to mention as part of that team, my wife and, and children who were a big part of that team. Yeah, because, because you left uh, your wife and kids behind to support you from Torquay, I imagine is probably the reason why you started from there is probably because you're from Torquay. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Torquay's my home. Yeah, yeah. Torquay's my home. I can <laughs> right. actually see, I can see from the window now exactly where I started <laughs> and where I finished. Oh, wow. That, that must be so nice. Yeah, that was part of it really. And I, I mean, I love Torbay, uh, Torquay being a, a town within Torbay. I wanted to, to, you know, advertise where I live and the beauty of what I, where I live and, 
and put that on it as well to support um, the local businesses, the water business related businesses in Torbay. And indeed, as I travel around, you know, having as much interaction with stand up battle schools and, 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 and water people was, was a massive part of the adventure. And so you set off from Torquay or Torbay um, back in April and the idea was 90 days. And, th- and I remember you saying that that was like if everything went perfect, like the wind, the waves, like the whole, the weather, everything. But it took a little longer. So what happened? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the plan was to leave Torbay turn right and just keep turning right until I came back into Torbay. Really simple concept. Um, and my, my ideal of 90 days was based on the last five years, really, of weather. Um, we haven't had uh, a year's weather like, you know, like anything else for a long time. Um, I've got connections with different weather uh, organisations and they've said, you know, the recordings of wind on, the, on the, our coast have just been ridiculous and what the most important thing about that is wind coming from the same direction for two weeks um it's almost unheard of you know without it changing and the, the issue is if you've got wind coming in your face for two weeks it's you know it's ridiculous it's crazy and that slows you up you know on a good day i did 78 kilo- kilometers um when i was training back here you know i could do 100 kilometers in a day with the right conditions uh, and yet I had 20 days uh, where I didn't go on the water at all because the weather was too bad. And I had another sort of 30 days where I did less than 5K in a day because the weather was so bad. And But I might have been paddling for 16 hours to do that 5K. You know, it's just so demoralizing. So, yeah, I had the weather massively against me in places. Thankfully, then, as we got around uh, John O'Groke's and down the East Coast, it was more favorable um, to make a bit of ground up. But yeah, we completed in 140, 41 days. So that's a, it's a good chunk over. But hey, that's just the way it is sometimes. You just got to go go with it, never against it. Yeah, I suppose for people listening and who don't know much about paddleboarding, I mean, I did a short expedition in April and you kept, you're going at quite a slow pace and when the wind's in your face it's almost like a sail dragging you back yeah that's exactly it you can so on a good day i'd be doing eight kilometers an hour so you can start to see you know if you you paddle for 10 hours how much how much distance you can get fantastic on a bad day i'd be doing one maybe one and a half kilometers an hour so in in 10 hours of paddling you've 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 only gone as far as you can see you know it's it really is demoralizing and also brutal on the body because it takes 10 times the amount of energy to go quarter of the distance yeah and and, and as you say demoralizing in your mind you you know that you've gone just absolutely nowhere and you put in all this effort yeah i mean there were some places around the coast where you know we've got big concrete um sea defenses or promenades and because the wind was so strong you're trying to hug the coast because you're trying to get some shelter and often i'd be paddling and there was one particular time on the northwest coast where i was paddling all day all day and basically the guy that walked past me because he was much faster than me walking on the promenade in the morning with his dog went walking again 
in the evening with his dog and I was still in that stretch of water. You know, it would have been so much easier to get out and walk the beach than it was to paddle. But, you know, that was part of the challenge. That's what makes it all fun. I suppose when you had the sort of westerly winds, probably the start was the most brutal. Yeah, well, the, the, the Cornish coast, Cornwall and Devon, a bit like the northwest coast of uh, Scotland, is different from the rest of our coastline because they always have Atlantic swell coming in. So no matter what all the local national stuff is doing, you know, if there's a big, there's a big storm or uh, winds out in the Atlantic Americas, it comes this way eventually. So when we were in Devon and Cornwall, you know, we had all the local winds and the, what that creates and the swell that creates. But then you've also got this five meter swell coming in from the Atlantic constantly. And that bashing, smashing the cliffs on top of all the other weather just means sometimes it's just brutally dangerous and you just can't get anywhere. Um, and yeah, that's what we found. And, and so to start off, you know, in the first 30 days, half the time was sat watching rather than paddling because the weather was just too brutal. Wow. God, what, just enormous waves, wind, the the, the whole nine yards. Yeah, all of that. And, you know, there was a tire. I mean, I spent five days waiting in Butte and the day I actually paddled out was, is a 10 foot swell, 10 foot waves coming in there. So for most people, they were like, well, you're not going out today. And I said, well, actually once I'm back there, it's not too bad. I just need to get out there. And on a 14 foot board, that's never easy. So, you know, to get out there and I, I managed 10 K that day, but of course, if you got out there, you've got to come back in and that can be the really sketchy part of, you know, serving massive waves on a 14 foot board, trying to protect yourself, but also the board. Cause if I fold that board, if I damage that board, I've got to still do it on that board. So, you know, you've got to be overly cautious to make sure I don't snap it in half basically. All right. So you didn't even have a spare one going just in case. No, because a part of the record attempt, you have to do it on one board. So, um, you know, it's about fixing it. It's about sorting it out if you smash it up. But that then means you've got a delay. So it was all about just looking after that board because it's a priority. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And so throughout that um, trip, what were some of the amazing moments from it? Well, you've got some of the, you know, amazing motion for me personally. So the days when you, you do get that 50K in in the morning, um, and you're just flying, you know, places like the Menine Straits in Wales, where you're doing 35 kilometers an hour. Places in Scotland where you're doing, I mean, the fastest recorded speed was 39 miles an hour, 39 kilometers an hour. You know, you're flying along. So they're, they're exhilarating and amazing. Some of the beaches surfing in, you know, fantastic. But really other than the amazing geography that we've got, it's the, it's the wildlife that create those magic moments. And uh, I mean, I saw everything. I saw everything, uh, you know, hundreds of dolphins at one time, 10, 20,000 seals at one time, you know, in different places. Um, whales, I saw pilot whales, minke whales, and of course, killer whales. I saw Porth beetle, shark. I saw massive stags, you know, on the beaches in Scotland, you know, watching uh, sea otters play as you paddle past them. You know, all these magic moments create, create a big smile on your face for the next 10 hours of paddling because you're just thinking about, wow, I've just seen that, you know, as I come around a corner. So those moments really are the magic ones. God, how close were you to the orcas or the killer whales? Yeah, so I um, this is up just past Cape Wrath, 
and it was about seven o'clock at night. So just start, I mean, in Scotland, it doesn't get light at that time of year till midnight. Uh, it doesn't get dark until midnight, uh, but it goes that sort of duskish from about seven, eight o'clock and I'm paddling, thinking nothing of it. And it's not a nice night. It's, it's drizzly. It's gray. It's those it it perfect, um, perfect predator conditions. So we say, and I'm paddling and basically an orca came up behind me. Um, and I actually thought it was a fishing boat that I just hadn't heard come up behind me because, and I, 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 you can't describe just how big these things are in the water and just how tall that fin is standing out of the water. So proud. Um, yeah. And it, it, it actually surprised me so much. I fell off my board and uh, I'm, I'm in the water thinking, do I panic and get out or do I just lie there and just think, you know, I'm in its world. There's nothing. I, if it wants me, there's nothing I can do about it. And I just let it cruise past the other side of my board. And it was like a submarine going by. It was that big. And, and then as I'm climbing back on my board, because I think I'm all good and safe and it's cruised off, another one just came up, brushed past my feet. And, you know, that, that moment of vulnerability can never be matched on anything I've ever done in any, you know, standing on top of a mountain or wherever it might be. I've never felt that sort of minuscule, that uh, redundant, that vulnerable ever. Um, and then I had two more encounters with them that, that evening um, where other uh, mum and babies came to check me out. And then another encounter where they just felt like they were hunting me rather than just coming to have a look. And at that point, I thought, you know what? It was about 10 o'clock at night. I'm getting off the water now because it's just getting a bit too familiar. So, yeah, that was my orca experience. Amazing creatures. You know, they've never harmed anyone in the wild, but it doesn't help your mind from uh, just going crazy because they're so big they're so big and if they if they got you mistaken as a seal and chomped you up no one would ever know because there'd be nothing left of you because it would be one mouthful for these guys god wow that just sounds absolutely incredible always speechless <laughs> it was it was a crazy experience and um one they'll always have and, and then people say to me oh that's amazing like i, I want to go up to scotland and see orcas and you know, best of luck to them. Um, but I would quite happily never see one again on the water because, as I say, the vulnerability of it is just phenomenal to understand. It really yeah, is. And I and I encountered other whales uh, when I was out there. And the same feeling wasn't there. You felt they were beautiful things and you were really watching them. Whereas the killer whales, you know, you, yeah, it's that vulnerability that a killer whale offers when it's, when it's that close and personal. God, that just, I mean, the adrenaline pumping through you at that time i mean yeah, you can almost you can almost feel your heart th through your chest you know it is yeah it is pumping i mean I'm, i must have watched enough documentaries on watching them hunt seals and all sorts so to actually feel like you were being hunted must have been quite the experience well the last ones that i encountered i actually saw a big male ahead of me two three hundred meters because you suddenly see the fin come out and that in itself is just like oh <gasps> takes your breath away and then it's coming towards you and you think yeah it's all good he's just coming to check me out just coming to see and it's getting closer and closer and about 50 meters from me i thought well i'm not going to keep heading at it i'm just going to turn off you know get a bit bit closer to land and as i attempted to turn two came in from either side behind me and you just think that is total predator you know if i was a seal that would be the end of me now and it was at that point that i thought 
I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not comfortable anymore in, in this environment. I need to jump off the water. So within about 20 minutes, I found an exit point and, and got off. Because in the wild, they sometimes with their prey, they just play with them in terms of like, they, they don't sometimes hunt just for the sake of killing. They like almost hunting and playing with them, teasing them to the point of like, and everyone just sort of, as you say, because probably SeaWorld, they sort of feel them as these lovable creatures, but in the wild, they are terrifying to the other, to what do you call it? Their prey. Their marine life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, up in Scotland, there's, there's <clears throat> lots of um, people and, and, you know, all about coach watch, seeing where they are and they tell you when they're about and that sort of thing. And only about like a week earlier, I was watching some video footage of the seals near John O'Groke's, uh, uh, sorry, the killer whales near John O'Groke's, close enough that the people could see it happening. But they were literally, as you say, brutally playing with seals and throwing them around. And I had this, and blood in the water. And you had this image that only was about 100 kilometers from where I was when I saw them. And, you know, that's their hunting ground. They come, they sweep through there. And, you know, the seals you see, you just think, crikey, you are taking your life in your hands swimming around this water. You need to head south through it. It's safe. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a wonderful thing to see in the wild and uh, something that will always stay with me, but something I don't want to necessarily repeat. Wow, what an experience. And and I suppose, well, that was one of your more exciting <laughs> moments. But um, I mean, on 143 day, 141 days, were there any sort of moments of trouble, like experiences where she looked back on and think, other, well, I suppose we've just had one with the killer whales, but are there any other moments where you sort of look back and think, God, that was quite testing, that was quite the day? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and what I mean by that is, because to, to be able to do what I did in 141 days and 400 kilometers, you have to pretty much go headland to headland um, to cut that distance down. And up in Scotland, there are so many fingers of, of land that you have to try and cross. So I call them crossings, and crossings can be anything from 30, 40 K. Um, and that can take all day. So you're open water. I could be 30 kilometers off land, but you do a huge amount of planning to eradicate any dangers you know you'd only do that when you know you've got favorable conditions and all those aspects the only issue and this is where uh, knowledge and understanding and ability comes in up in scotland and in other parts of the country you've got things that can change and make weather within 15 minutes and they are basically mountains and massive concrete um, you know, cities. So those things can create weather that no one's planned for, and especially up in Scotland, can change within 15 minutes. And I had two occasions in Scotland where, you know, you read the weather and you can see the signs and it's changing. And there was one particular time up in Scotland that I actually saw it all changing and started heading out further to see because you've got a bit more understanding coverage in open water than being too close to the land. And when I mean close to land, within the first 10, 15K, it can be brutally horrendous because it's right it's on the coast, whereas the weather system can be safer further out. So I plan, I, you know, I, I spent an hour going further out to sea 
and this weather system, this storm that had brewed, literally fell off the mountains in Scotland, hit me. And I spent six hours um, basically paddling for your life, really. Um, but I knew I had the ability to paddle for that sort of time. And the idea was that in those six hours, I just hold my position as best I can. Because within six hours, I could have been another 50 to 100K off out into the Atlantic, the North Atlantic as well. So not a place you'd want to be. So for six hours, I just tried the best I can to help hold my position and, and pretty much did that give or take 10 or 15 K. And then of course, once the storm passed and I could see, and I knew it would, those type of storms, you know, they roll through quickly. Um, you just had to paddle in and it still had four hours to paddle after that, to try and get into land. And the beautiful thing about things like this is once I got in that, that evening and I was destroyed, you know, I, I was, I was mentally and physically broken off that day. Um, I spoke to my land crew and I said, guys, you know, um, it's pretty close to dying that to this day. And my land crew are awesome because they just kind of were carry on doing what they were doing and sorting something out. And they just looked up and Will said, cool. Um, what time are you paddling tomorrow? And that, you know, that's what I needed. I didn't need anyone to feel sorry for me or I didn't need anyone for, uh, for sympathy. I just needed to get on with it. And, uh, they were brilliant at making sure that happened. Yeah. I remember having Mark Beaumont on and when he was talking about his round the world cycle, he said, if you can just cut out unnecessary things that would sort of put you down. And he said, you know, no one needs to know how I feel. No one needs to ask me how I feel because I'll always feel crap, but just sort of be on the planning and say, okay, we need to do this. You don't have to say, oh, how do you feel? Because, you know, after cycling or paddleboarding like yourself for 16 hours, you're not going to feel that great. But it's, it, but as soon as someone asks you how you feel and you start telling them, then you start to bring yourself down. Whereas if you take that away from it and just focus on the job in hand, then that's really what you need in that situation. Because even in your mind, even in your mind, you want to sort of say, oh no, I, should, I, I need to be feeling down and this. But if you have someone there who's just like, no, we're not, we're not going down that route. You're like, okay, great. I need to now focus on tomorrow. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. If I think if you articulate the troubles, they go deeper. So you don't. And, uh, you know, from day one, I never moaned about anything and I always had a smile on my face and people would say, oh, you must be, you must be feeling so tired after that day. And I'd be like, no, no, because exactly that. As soon as you start saying, oh yes, it was really tough. And you know, it starts to bring everybody down. So smile on your face and you crack on with it. Otherwise, don't start it in the first place. No. Or it's like someone goes, you know, your knees must be killing and you haven't even thought about your knees. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe they are feeling a bit weak at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. The amount of times people say, oh, your shoulders must be. You're like, no, they're all good. They're all good. You know, I, there's only one person I moan to and, and he's up there. You know, not, no one on planet Earth would I moan to. <laughs> exactly. Um, wow. And so coming into the finishing line in uh, Torquay and seeing all your family there and everyone there to sort of greet you on the beach what was the feeling like? <laughs> I mean that that is the million dollar question in that you know I said earlier how I started off by going right and I just kept turning right and that last right hand turn um, into Tor Bay where suddenly the bay opens up and I could see the people on the beach I mean I was joined by a couple of hundred paddleboarders 
So they were with me and that really helped to get the strength from them. Cause I think I would have been on my knees, just, uh, you know, the, the, the emotion of it, but yeah, seeing the people on the beach, hearing the people on the beach. And then that last 500 meters paddling in on, on beautiful conditions, um, was something I'll always remember. It always be with me. And so, you know, I've, I've bottled it up and I've got bottles of it held that I can just open up in the years to come for sure. Wow. And, and of course, I mean, this was only a couple of weeks ago and it must've been quite a whirlwind sort of time for you the last couple of weeks, as you say, speaking to people like myself and I mean, how's the sort of feeling been? You've gone from 141 days solidly getting up every day to go paddleboarding to suddenly resting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. You, um, you have a uniform approach to life when you're paddling in that you get up, you eat, you paddle, you eat, you sleep, you get up, you eat, you paddle and, and so on. Um, and that's incredibly uniform and you get used to that after about six to 10 weeks, you kind of get used to that. It's your system. And then all of a sudden it stops and, it, and life is chaotic where there's every day is totally different and there's nothing uniform to it. Um, but I spent a lot of time preparing myself for it on the board. You know, you have 10, I'm an average 10 hours, 15 minutes a day paddling. So you've got a lot of time to think about there and, and put things in the boxes that need to be sort your life out mentally. And uh, the meditation, some people call it, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know if it's meditation, but I know that um, I had a lot of personal time to think about things. And within the structure of the, the thought process, um, because I put a real structure in place, there's a lot of, well, what happens next? So I had a lot of things to happen next that actually now I can do. You know, when you're paddling, you can't. You can paddle and that's it. There's nothing else you can do. So it's actually a really exciting time and I love it. And uh, and also cool to just share stories with you and, and people as well, because I never got to share the stories when I was there. You know, this the, 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 the orca story, for example, I didn't see any other humans other than Will and Harry that were with for another 10 days because you just don't see humans up in Scotland there like that. So there's no one to tell. So, uh, yeah, you know, to share the stories relives it in your own mind, relives it in your own body, and that helps it as well. Yeah, it really does. You know, you've done a sort of documentary. So you did you sort of keep a video diary of like day to day and, you know, these sort of moments? Because I always find, especially on a long trip like that, it's very easy for it to slowly mold into one thing and you forget those little moments along the way, whether it's, you know, some old lady inviting you in for a cup of tea in the hills of Scotland or you know, something like that. Well, you wouldn't have been anywhere near the hills, but you know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. There's is, moments, as you the, say. Yeah. Did you keep a sort of video diary or a journal or anything? Yeah. So basically I kept a, a written journal just to remember those key points, you know, even simply of, of where we stayed, for example, that night, because after and the next day you've forgotten what happened the day before. So I kept that. Uh, Will being a professional photographer, photographer was cataloging everything, was meticulous with doing that. And it's all those little moments. I mean, really, the only issue you've got, uh, I had, I found, was capturing the absolute most exciting moments on the board because I had a GoPro. GoPros last an hour. So you can't have it on the whole time. So 
you know, trust me, when, it, when an orca comes up behind you, the last thing you think about doing is, hang on a second, just turn the camera on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a really tricky. And I've got some moments, magic moments, but um, missed a few. Uh, that is just the way it is sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's important to have that. And I'm so excited about how Will and others will create the documentary and what and how we produce what is paddling, but, you know, paddling, the paddling set it's a bit boring to watch after a while it's not really a spectator sport is it but paddling within you know the 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 culture the communities of this fantastic island is what it's all about and the different conditions and the different coastlines and the different people that's what it's all about and hopefully we'll depict that within and be able to see i mean in my mind i see great britain very differently i see britain very differently i see this whole island now in the way that if you visited a small island, you've just got the whole thing in your picture. And I've got that. And I want the video to kind of depict that as best it can. No, very true. I think um, I think those sort of stories, as you say, with paddleboarding, I, th- I imagine the story would be more about people and yourself and the sort of message, which is, as I say, a really interesting story to convey. And if Will or Harry, whoever the videographer is, can portray that yeah it'll be a fascinating documentary to watch yeah absolutely and uh you know it's it's almost you know i'm, I'm probably belittling video photographers a little here so i apologize if that comes across like that but capturing the magic of a beautiful scene um as in the cliffs and the albatrosses and, and all those sort of things almost seem easy compared to catching that one moment like you say like the little, the little old lady invites you in for a cup of tea and what that means or invite you in for a shower you know because showers are like you know the pinnacle <laughs> of of of, of comfort. A, a, a warm shower <laughs> a warm shower you know you go you go months with a bucket shower at the back of the van so when someone says do you want to come in for a shower you're like yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, they're capturing those moments. They're the, the kind of, I think that, and that we've seen that with our social media. People love those moments to see those moments um, and can get a little bit blase about, oh yeah, it's another beautiful cliff. Um, you know, it's so, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's capturing those moments and portraying them in within the documentary. It's so fascinating when you do these trips. It's such little things that mean so much as you say, like a warm, hot food or a warm shower, which, you know, day to day now, you'll probably just take for granted. But in those moments, it's just like absolute gold. Absolute gold. You've, you've hit it there. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of times that, because I express that I love coffee and I paddle in, you know, some beaches I'd actually paddle into to, to just take a moment, you know, 10 minutes walking around on the beach just revitalizes you to paddle another six hours and someone you know would come down on the beach and just sort of hand me a coffee you know just say we thought you'd want this just hand and just like oh yes you know absolute moments um and you know as you say it's the little things and i even now to go and make a coffee where i can just flick a switch rather than spending 10 minutes setting up the cooker, putting on the gas, the gas takes 15 minutes to warm the water. You know, yeah, it's, it's the little things. <laughs> wow. Well, Brendan, it has been absolutely incredible listening to your stories and just what an adventure. Thank you. Uh, 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, just is amazing to share it and yeah i uh, certainly has been a very special time in my life well there's a part of the show where we ask the the guests the same five questions each time uh with the first question being what's the one gadget that you always take with you on the paddleboard oh the, the most essential gadget go on then yeah um well it's got to be the safety equipment really um that's a bit boring though isn't it you could go with two if you like. <laughs> well, the safety equipment has to be there. And I had lots of different safety equipment where I could just literally press a button and satellite signals would do all that. So yeah, that's super important. But um, oh, other than that, I probably have to say my, my Aftershock headphones um, just because they keep you company. You can listen to your family. You can listen to friends. Yeah, really important. And waterproof, I hope. And totally waterproof, yeah. And float as well, which has come in handy a couple of times. I bet. Uh, what about your favourite adventure book or travel book? Ooh, um, I would have to go with books that massively help my, um, and that's any of uh, Tristan Gooley's books on how to read water, how to read the weather. Um, I mean, the guy is a, a phenomenal ability to, to bring together all the experiences around planet earth into into his books and that how to read water and how to read the weather are essential um books and he puts that into the, the adventure format so yeah any of tristan gooley's books okay why why are adventures important to you uh they release the soul they take the soul to a very different place and if you can bring that back then and share it i think that's a very important thing to do especially with my work in schools um lots of children don't understand that they can do these things because they can't see them you know and by going in and speaking to them you enable them to see what the, the body can do and the body our human bodies are amazing things and can be put through such tests um so if i can share you know the little bits that i've done um, hopefully these people in the future, these kids in the future will smash what I do and, th- and better it and, and go on and create and be better from it. Yeah, I always think that's the one thing is that people underestimate what their body is capable of or even their mind when it's sort of focused in. I mean, it's just, as you say, probably with what you've done or, you know, stuff I've done, it's, it sometimes shocks you what you are actually capable of doing. Yeah. You just got to, yeah, once you, and then once you do these things, you trust your own ability and you trust actually what you can achieve. And then all of a sudden you're, 
your five rungs up the ladder further than you ever thought you could you could you could get yeah we we had jamie ramsey on episode five and he sort of said it was like blowing up a balloon you blow it up and then it sort of deflates but it's slightly bigger the next time and it just slowly gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it just inflates more and more yeah it's a good way of putting it it's a good way of putting it and um and then also you know when it's going to pop in a way that no one else does so I always say that whatever your your wildest dreams are, you've you've got another twenty percent after that. Actually, uh, if you push yourself, and that's still a safe limit before the balloon pops. <laughs> yeah. What about your favourite quote? Oh well, I'm a man of faith, so there's lots of Bible passages um, that keep you going. Um, but a single quote, well, that's that's a hard one. Anything that anything that adds. Um, depth to motivation, really. Anything that adds the, the ability to hope. Um, I love most things that center around hope. I think hope is a fantastic word and is something that can be used so well to create bigger and better things on the planet. Very nice. Um, and people listening are always keen to travel and go on these sort of grand adventures. What's the one thing you would recommend for people wanting to get started? Go local first, go local first. You know, it, it's amazing actually what's just around the corner to prepare you for what's further afield. Um, you know, within Britain, we've got some of the best, we've got some of the gnarliest, we've got some of the ugliest coastlines um, and experience those. And, and then when you go abroad, because when the difference with being in a different country is you're adding, you're adding elements, the unknown. And whenever you're, Whatever you're on the edge, the, the least amount of unknown that you can put in there, the better you are, the better that you can actually succeed at what you're trying to do. And the more trips you do abroad, the less unknown things are. But, you know, start, start local and, and build those experiences up first. Don't go, don't go big too soon. Um, otherwise, you will be coming home too soon. Very true. And finally, what are you doing now and how can people follow your adventures in the future? So the next six months are a huge uh, six months for creating as much uh, funds to, to make this app happen, this gamified water safety app happen. So please check me out on thelongpaddle.co.uk. The Long Paddle as well can be found on all social media um, support. And I often say that, do you know what? To be able to share what we're doing, whether it be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or share our website with your database of human beings that you love and cherish on your social media is worth more than someone putting in a tenner. Um, and, it, and it only takes a few clicks to do that. So if you can share what we're doing, you never know who that then reaches. And, and those people might be able to help us in a way that we've never dreamt. So yeah, check us out at thelongpaddle.co.uk social media and, and just share the mission of what we're trying to achieve, which is, you know, to reduce drowning in this country and then across the world. Cause you know what? 340,000 people drown every year on planet earth. It is off the scale. Wow. That's a statistic I did not know. Scarily so. Well, Brendan, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. It's fantastic to, to talk to you. I love talking to people who have a shared understanding and sheer uh, way of thinking on adventuring so it's been a pleasure and yeah i can't wait uh, for the uh, documentary and hopefully the app to come out and as you say you can go at the longpaddle.com.co.uk.co.uk 
www.co.uk and uh, donate there and god i can't wait for the next big trip wherever that might be yeah, there's lots of things planned for next year just trying to work work it through well thank you so much uh, absolute god bless thank you so much john really appreciate your time thank you for listening you can watch the podcast on youtube now and don't forget to subscribe and sign up to the monthly newsletter which is in the description below i hope you enjoyed the show and if you did tag me on instagram at john horseful i'm always keen to connect with other adventurers and i look forward to next week for another fascinating tale of adventure. But till then, have a great day and happy adventures. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.